It is, right? And that's why when that what David just brought up about how he was like, what am I doing right now? Fucking killing rats in a spaceman suit. Like, <laughs> there's roaches everywhere. There's a raccoon in a dumpster. What am I doing? I was like, yeah, man. It takes something like that for you to be like, what am I doing? Am right? I happy? Search for Definitely. a new set of rules. Right is a little used to the man who has betrayed his soul. Maybe you're the protagonist in your story, but like there's a million other people. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Paradigm. We're so excited to have you here. Can't wait to jump into this chapter titled The Impossible Task. The Impossible Task. This is from the um. book. Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. We recommend you pick it up, read along with us. We really enjoy this book and we think you will as well. Before we get into it, make sure you subscribe to the channel, like the video, drop us some feedback in the comment section below and follow us on all our social media platforms. All the information will be in the description below. Without waiting, let's jump into the chapter. First things first, what was your guys' favorite part and why? Let's start with David. All right. Um, my favorite part of this chapter was him just uh, realizing that moment where he was talking about the the job he had, where he was cleaning up the like the rodents and stuff, and yeah, and spraying control. a bunch of pesticides, and and that one that one moment where he was just like. He looked at himself. He was like, "What the fuck?" Like just something. <laughs> there was like rats and then roaches, like the biggest nest he's ever seen. And then he, went, I started laughing and dying when he went to the trash can, and there was a raccoon in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> there was just like a shit ton of uh, crazy things popping off. Where that was the moment he was like, "I don't want this," and he later that night, or he didn't even pack. He didn't grab. Um, all the things he knew, he just like he just dipped out and he went to go run. Thought that was fire. It's funny. That I, I like that story. one a lot too. That's like my probably one of my favorite arcs in this like chapter. Yeah, that was a really really good part. All right, John, what was your favorite part? I just have like a particular line that I like because uh, it kind of just resonates with the same arc that Dave was talking about. But he goes, "They say there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, but not once your eyes adjust to the darkness." And that's what happened to me. I was numb, numb to life. You know, I, I think, you know, people say there's always light at the end of the tunnel, but sometimes your eyes just adjust to darkness and that's your new life, right? Yeah. Uh, and I thought that just really resonated maybe with like, you know, previous my life or, or, or not, you know, just resonate with other people, but I could feel the pain in, in that line, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm. It's hard to recognize too. It is, right? And that's why when that, what David just brought up about how he was like, what am I doing right now? fucking killing rats in a spaceman suit like there's roaches everywhere there's a raccoon in a dumpster what am i doing i was like yeah man it takes something like that for you to be like what am i doing am right and happy definitely all right Devin, what was your favorite part um I, it was the one that david mentioned the story um but i think my favorite part is when it, it was short it was very brief where he talks about leaving his wife um, where his wife gave him that ultimatum mm. um not just in relationship wise, but I think in life we're dealt um, hands that we don't want to deal. And so we stick with what we know best or what's going to, what we can predict tomorrow will look like um, instead of taking that ultimatum, instead of taking that like leap of faith, because I think that's why a lot of us don't change. A lot of us stay in our, our path, our lane, our comfort zone is because we know what's happening tomorrow. We know 
if we could predict the next seven days, okay, I feel safe, I feel secure. Um, right. This this man lost three hundred or two hundred pounds, and then had a, had a family and everything already, and decided to up and like follow his dreams at you know what I mean, whatever age he was. On on that same note, you know, he was striving to be better and to change himself, and his wife's ultimatum was. If you change and you achieve what you've been going oh, man, for, yeah. you either pick me or you pick your new life. But yeah. there's no, there's no both. That's it's, pretty it, deep, bro. It is, it is. It's sad too, like that. Um, and real, realistically, I, well, I think a lot of people would say, "Oh, like, why wouldn't she want to stay with him? Like he's trying to improve himself. Like why wouldn't you want to stay with someone that's trying to get better and, and level up in life?" But I think it's the fear of not knowing what's going to happen and the, the hardships of moving to a different city, being away from your family. Like right. some people just don't want to deal with that. So and I, I was done to what it sounds like in the book. Right. They yeah, were already on the yeah. ropes because he was he, he mentioned how he would go to work and be gone for hours on. You know what I mean? Not really like he was she wasn't there when he was home. And it was right. So it, it seemed like um, I think he talked about that, too. He's like, uh, I sort of. Um, I married, I got with a woman or married woman, uh, which in which her father used to call me the N word. That's that crazy. Me, that should tell you a lot about the person I was. You know I what I mean? That, like, I was like, whoa, that was a heavy line. That was a heavy yeah. Line and then right he there. even, he even mentioned how her father apologized and how things were turning around, but it was still that ultimatum that was like, yeah, I passed the test. I'm not going to throw this away. You know what I mean? I worked months and months on end to, to achieve this. So. That was a great. Dude, I didn't even think that was like humanly possible. Some of the things he was saying, the transformation. He, yeah, yeah, I was like, how fast he lost weight. Crazy. And, yeah, no, and he insane. passed the test that he like basically copied from. You know what I mean? To get to where he, like he he really put in some mental and physical power. The, there's something I, I like. I, I want to share later, but you know, everyone learns differently, and you know, he's proof of it, right? Being a teacher right. now, I'm like interacting with these kids and. I have a file, like a, a stack of paper, like all these kids that have like disabilities or whatever. Mm-hmm. And some of them are like my best kids. Like they're super smart. So it's just like, yeah. whatever, maybe they're just not smart at taking a test, but they're like intelligent, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but we'll, we'll yeah. keep it rolling. Definitely. Definitely. So um, for my favorite part, it was, you know, I really liked the entire chapter, but there was one quote that really stood out to me. And I think a lot of people would benefit from hearing it. And it comes from page 95. It said, um, <laughs> I had to flip it and convince myself that all of the self-doubt and anxiety was confirmation that I was no longer living an aimless life. And that really resonated with me because, you know, jumping into a graduate program now, I think many of the students, if not all of them, feel a sense of imposter syndrome as such of, hey, like, Uh, maybe I shouldn't be here or maybe I should be doing something else or the people that I see that are graduate students or my faculty members or professors are at this level and I'm, I'm not even registering it. So there's a, there's a sense of self doubt and anxiety and depression that you might get with that. And it's instead of kind of falling into that, recognizing and understanding that this is a confirmation that you're no longer living an aimless life or that you're doing something better for yourself. It's really good to wrap your head around that because some people will succumb to that and fall back into the normal life of doing the motions. And some people feel that and use it as a confirmation and a challenge. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that that was a really big part for me that really resonated with me. So I highlighted that boxed it, started it, 
And um, I think you should take that information and, and apply it to your life, definitely. I like the way you put that, Jay, because that connected, I, when I read that, I didn't take it as that. But the way you just laid it out, yeah. I'm like, oh, I was like, because whenever I am feeling the imposter syndrome, I'm normally doing something that I feel uncomfortable with, right? That I don't feel like I belong doing it. And right. why, why do I feel uncomfortable? Because I'm trying something new. Because I'm trying to go outside of the boundary of what's comfortable. Right. So I should, and it, you know, and this kind of brings us back to the habits of uh, seven habits of highly effective people. You know, he talks about when you want to make a change, expect resistance for resisting forces, right? True. And it, whether it's from other people, whether it's from your own brain, and a lot of the things that David Goggins says, like I've been actually running recently and listening to this, this book got people running. <laughs> listening to his his videos, he says that um, whenever he wanted to do something, your brain is your worst enemy because it knows exactly when you're your weakest. It's going to show up when you're not going to show up. It's going to be there when you don't want it to be there in the worst possible manner. And so it, it just reminded me of that. It's like your brain is used to a certain amount of order, but you have to you have to toggle that line between chaos and order to achieve growth. Yeah. So interesting. Definitely. Yeah. Even I, I like the uh, mention where he's uh, he battles his he battles the demon with. Um, being sort of cut corners, as he mentioned, he cuts corners at the gym where he doesn't do the 250 uh, pull up, like he doesn't do the total amount he wanted to do, and he cut corners. He he didn't finish a lap at the gym, and so when he's leaving, he's like, you know what? In an hour, I'm gonna head back to the gym, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna punish myself for not uh, finishing those reps and do even more. Um, I think that mental capacity to like to push yourself past the initial barrier. Like you thought 250 pull-ups was a lot. Now do 300 since you missed the 250, you did 240 and you didn't even, you told yourself you're going to do something. You didn't do it. I think being able to hold yourself to that accountability is like, is a superpower with itself. Well, just, oh yeah. Just because you brought it up, his reasoning was, I don't want to, if I do fail or it's going to keep me up all night. It's like that one pull up I didn't do that quarter mile. I couldn't finish. I don't want those to be the things that if I fail, I look back through. It's like, man, if I did that one more pull-up, I could have made the test. If I did that one more quarter mile, right. I could have passed. Mm -hmm. He goes, so I'd rather fight the, the demons of physical pain than the demons of regret later in life. Yeah. And I was like, facts. Very point. Yeah, he has a lot of really good things in this book. Uh, this chapter was really good. I like how we're starting to progress into seeing how he developed his character as an adult. You know? Right. Uh -huh. So... We'll jump into the summary of the chapter, and then we'll jump into the challenge number three. I hope everybody listening is doing this as well. So this chapter begins with David after high school. He had become an exterminator working graveyard shifts for Ecolab. He began his job after being discharged and weighing 175 pounds in the Air Force. Now he weighed 297 pounds, where he vacuumed a large chocolate shake and box of chocolate donuts every night. David states, I was numb numb to life, miserable in my marriage, and I'd accepted that, that reality. Just another zombie selling my time on earth, going through the motions. David tells of the day he decided to retake control of his life. After his shift ended, he headed to 7-Eleven for his normal post-work meal, then received a call from his mother, mother's house. 
for his staple. Eight cinnamon rolls, six scrambled eggs, a half pound of bacon, and two bowls of fruity pebbles. He hung up the phone, flipped on the TV, and headed to the shower, where he could hear snippets from the TV. Navy SEALs, toughest the world. David exited his bathroom and watched the show for 30 minutes without moving. The show demonstrated buds in Hell Week, the most physically demanding training in the military. After the show ended, he walked back into the restroom, faced the mirror, and stared himself down. David continues, I looked every bit of 300 pounds. I was everything all the haters said I would be, uneducated, with no real-world skills, zero discipline, and a dead-end future. Then he headed to his mother's house and barely spoke during breakfast. He had half of his normal portion because his mind was fixated on unfinished business. Thanks to this show, a former dream had been reignited. It became an obsession he couldn't shake. So every morning he called active duty recruiters to no avail. Some even laughed at him when he showed up in person until he found one local reserve officer, Officer Steven Shaljo. Shaljo didn't decimate his hopes, but offered him an alternative solution. He would join the reserves and be allowed to be recruited to the SEALs, but he had to pass the ASVAB again, his nightmare. For two weeks, he studied all day and passed that test on the notorious Saturday afternoon, but he scored a 44 on the mechanical comprehension and needed a 50 to get into BUDS. So he had to retake the entire test in five weeks and lose 106 pounds in three months. David began running, swimming, and high rep resistive training every day. Within two weeks, he had dropped 20 pounds. Within 10 more days, he dropped another 25 pounds. His progress was going well. This didn't come without anxiety and depression, however, but he had to flip that and he did. David states, I had to flip it and convince myself that all the self-doubt and anxiety was confirmation that I was no longer living an aimless life. <clears throat> so five weeks goes by and he takes the ABSVAB a test again. And he talks about how it was highly, it was a highly anxious situation where he was literally, this was his last chance. If he didn't pass it on this one, he could no longer enter the, the Navy SEALs. So he takes the test, submits it to the teacher and uh, waits in his car for an hour and heads into the, to the actual building where he took the test and asks the officer what he got. And he, he kind of, pushed the officer to a point where he broke the rules and actually displayed his score. He passed, but he really wanted to know what he got on the mechanical comprehension test. And he needed a 50. So he scored an actual 50 right on the dot. And so ecstatic, he ran back to his car, screaming, yelling, fuck yeah, yeah, I did it. You know, called his mom with tears in his eyes, saying he finally did it. But the work wasn't done. He still had to lose weight and he still had to show up for weekly with his recruiter. Then he con continues with the ultimatum David Devin brought up earlier with his wife and how his wife made an ultimatum that you either choose me or you choose this goal you're pursuing. And David chose his goal to become a Navy SEAL in turn, meaning his wife divorced him and he no longer had a family. And to celebrate, what he did is he worked even harder. He went to the gym even more, doubled his workout swimming, doubled his workout running, and developed his character enough to the point where we are now.
We don't know if he's entered buds, but we do know he's on the good progress line. And that was the summary, which brings us to rule uh, challenge number three. So for challenge three, thank you for that summary. Um, yeah, thank you, Jack. Real quick, did you, real quick, did you did you guys ever consider going to the military at all? Yeah, right out of high school, I was gonna join. Uh, it's called the CBs. It's in the Navy because <laughs> like they're a construction combat unit, and I took welding in high school. But um, I, mean, I took the ASAP test and everything. Like I passed, but um, they were stopping people listening to CBs because it was during the Obama era, and Obama was cutting back on the military. And they offered me to be part of the engineer program, the Navy, and I was like, nah. I was like eighteen, like nah, don't want to do that. Um, would have been great for me actually, but I uh, was young and dumb, and full of you know what. So um, I didn't. I went to welding school in Jacksonville, but yeah, I was going to join. Yeah, this is something I'm still actually considering. I want to be able to provide college for my kids, and the ways to do that is become a professor or join the military. And you know, I'm blessed enough where my dad was in the military, and it taught me a lot. And so he, uh, I actually get free school through the actual college fee waiver program and the veteran service offices. So these are things I'm still actually contemplating because I want to provide college for my kids if that's what they want. Dude, dude professor thing, bro. You don't want to be in, you don't want to be in Kabul right now. You know what I'm saying? Like you join the reserves or join anything, you're going to check to Kabul and you're going to go into 20 years in Iraq. So yeah. Yeah. let's let's not do that. I'd rather see you. Damn, John. It's true. We. That. We abandoned our <laughs> 20 soldiers just just got killed this week because they were abandoned by our president Biden. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, I actually forget the question. It's a challenge. Um, I was just I was just asking if you had considered going oh, to the military. Um, nah, because I always viewed it as like uh, I honestly I wasn't educated enough for the benefits behind going to the military because i think that's why a lot of people yeah. go but i also knew people that were going um just because like a toughness you know what i mean like i'm, I'm yeah. a soldier like and then but i never found i could never see myself in that sort of position where i'm like fighting for the Same. country yeah. so it was it yeah. never crossed my mind it really never i think i think it just gives it's people scary. a purpose like yeah all definitely. my peer, all my peers were going to college and it's like what am i doing yeah, you know, yeah, I think it's like, that sense sure. of, of value. Like you feel like you like, fit in. It's like maybe I'll just go to the military if college is my thing. But the welding gave me a purpose, you know. Welding gave me a career. Nice. So yeah. Well, nice. Um, so moving on to challenge three, um, I'll go ahead and hop into that. So uh, David Goggins on challenge three after this chapter, uh, he starts it off by saying, uh, "The first step on the journey toward a callous to mind is stepping outside your comfort zone on a regular basis." Dig out your journal again and write down all the things you don't like to do or that make you uncomfortable, especially those things you know are good for you. Now go do one of them and then go do it again. In the coming pages, I'll be asking you to mirror what you just read to some degree, but there is no need for you to find your own impossible task and achieve it on the first, the fast track. This is not about changing your life instantly. It's about moving the needle bit by bit and making those changes sustainable. That means digging down to the micro level and doing something that sucks every day. Even if it's as simple as making your bed, doing the dishes, ironing your clothes, or getting up before dawn and running two miles each day. Once that becomes comfortable, 
take it to five, then 10 miles. If you have already do all those things, find something that you aren't doing. We all have areas in our lives we either ignore or can improve upon. Find yours. <laughs> we often choose to focus on our strengths rather than our weaknesses. Use this time to make your weaknesses your strengths. I really like that. Doing things, even small things that make you feel uncomfortable will help you make you strong. The more often you get uncomfortable, the stronger you'll become. And soon you'll develop a more productive, can-do dialogue with yourself in stressful situations. So that's pretty much the challenge. And then he says, you know, take a photo of yourself, take a video of yourself, and then use the hashtags that are in the book that he describes. You know, I can't hurt me. Uh, impossible task, discomfort zone. So, um, yeah. So what do you guys, uh, what are some things that you guys want to start doing that make you feel uncomfortable or possibly that you know you should be doing and it's good for you and it's something you want to work on according to this challenge? Definitely. And to reiterate, uh, this is on page 101. It says, dig out your journal again and write down all the things you do not like to do or that make you uncomfortable especially those things you know are good for you. So the way we're going to break this down is we're going to discuss that question, why we don't like them or they make us uncomfortable, and why we need to do them. So who would like to start? I'll start, uh, since we already discussed a little bit. Um, I think waking up early has definitely been a part of my life for at least a good year now, just due to trading and that whole thing that I want to pursue um, outside of reading and uh, what we do here. But um, I'm up early, um, not as early as I should be, but I think to push myself and to really make myself uncomfortable is to push myself to wake up around 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, California time, um, or 4.30, um, because I think that allows me, gives me enough time to go for a run, get an exercise in. I don't have to hit the gym later on in the day um, and try and fit everything else in after the gym or before the gym. So if I can either um, work out at home, go for a mile run, make it back. I have the gym and I can still look at the charts and trade and do all this stuff outside of um, that uh, according to the challenge. But another small thing would be, um, I was, I was just thinking about this. Um, maybe being for me, would make me uncomfortable is applying, being more of a helping hand to my um, older brother um, because we are going through like a little hardship right now and he's figuring stuff out. But I think showing him steps on how I'm trying to harden my mind or how I'm trying to um, turn my weaknesses into strength, um, whatever, we can sit down and discuss that just individually between me and him. But I think showing him the possibilities that we can achieve just in ourselves, um, he, may, he, might, he might not be able to identify that within himself. Maybe he needs someone that, to sit down and help him. Um, and, and once we get to that point, we identify something, then I take that uncomfortable help, helping hand, which I usually don't, I'm not a help. I'm not often a helping hand to people, but I think that will get me out of my comfort zone is like, um, be a guide, be a light to people or be a light to your brother um, and walk him through the, the steps that you did. If he wants to, if he doesn't want to, then that's fine, but at least make, get him, get uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Dive into something that right. you're not you're really used yeah. to. Nice. Follow up question for you. Good guys. Currently, what time are you waking up? 7, 7.30. 7.30. So you say you want to wake up at five, uh, 4.30, correct? Mm -hmm. So one of the questions we have written down is, why don't you currently like doing it? And I think a lot of people can identify with it, but hearing it would be good. 
Um, I think we're pushed into idolizing staying up late, um, even from when we were a child. Um, staying up late was almost like a cool thing to do. Um, our parents told us not to do it. And I think that kind of taught us a, a habit that, in a sense, getting older is actually a bad trait to have. Um, because usually work and things are open in the morning, early times, um, and understanding time change. New York, for for us, is three hours ahead of us. So realistically, if you're waking up at 7 o'clock, it's already 10 o'clock in New York. So the world started without you. You're already a little bit behind. Um, why, the main reason why I want to start implementing it is discipline, purely discipline. Um, not to show anybody, hey, I'm waking up, but except you guys and the people that watch this, um, hey, I'm waking up at, at 4.30, um, just mainly, can I get up at 4.30? Obviously, I'm going to be tired. I'm not going to want to do it. And then on top of that, can I go for a run? Can I exercise while being tired? Um, and understanding exercising is going to give me that extra adrenaline. It's going to give me that pump to, to get going in my day. Um, so, end all, be all. It's uncomfortable. It's miserable. You don't want to wake up, especially if you have a nice bed. It's cold outside, whatever the case might be. Look at the positives, right? You get up earlier than everybody else. All your friends are probably sleeping. Your family's probably sleeping. You can get your day started. If you have little things, for me, the, uh, the gym is a big thing. Um, or think of it as in uh, it's a little thing compared to like, is it uh, an obligation? It's not an obligation, but I do like to get it in at least four times a week. If I can throw that in when I wake up, as soon as I wake up, then I don't have to worry about it later in the day. So try to mitigate all your small little tasks in the morning to where when you go to work, when you go to make your, your daily job or so, somewhere where you work, work your eight hours, at least you have the rest of the day to yourself or you can do it to other, like expedite, maybe you're working on a video project and you got some done in the morning and you're going to get finished the rest of tonight. You know what I mean? So it gives you extra time in your day. Yeah, definitely. So what steps are you going to take towards achieving this? Uh, go to bed early, number one. Definitely going to bed what early. What time is that? Uh, at least before 10. Because if I'm waking up at 7, I've been going to bed at least like 1130, 11 o'clock. And I can wake up at 7, um, but it is hard. So I would say at least earlier before 10, latest 10 o'clock. Okay. Um, and then um, just keeping my diet well, you know what I mean? Not eating junk food, not like going crazy because that's a big part of like my personal um diet like is when i start to eat like crap um it's really hard to function throughout my day so i think just staying up with that and um staying up with my goals and tasks and stuff and just being mentally on my stuff but it's mainly just a sleep habit continue my awesome. sleep habit but maybe right. move it forward a little bit awesome i know you can do it man yeah. can't wait to hear about it in the week yeah no. <laughs> i'll definitely let you guys know where it's going but um i think the hard i think the waking up part is going to be easiest at the running it's like getting up and like going for yeah. a run is probably gonna be the hardest part. Yeah, man. Once you start like running, teams, man. where it, it'll it'll get easier. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Who would like to go next? I'll go next. So, um, my thing is sort of on on the same wavelength as uh, Devin's. I, I was actually just talking to one of my my friends two days ago, who's a real estate agent. Uh, his name is Johnny, and he was looking up you know he, he was sort of inspiring me too to to really just wake up early because he wakes up at 4 30 hits the gym and he's he's just put it in plain simple terms bro if you're waking up at that time to get your working on workout in everybody's still mostly everybody is still asleep you're out there getting it before anybody else 
And when he said that, I think it really put it into perspective. Like if that's where I want to go and that's who I want to be, like that version of myself, I think is the best version of David. I think that involves waking up early. Um, you know, maybe some days I don't work out as soon as I wake up, but at least I'm up and I'm working. And um, at least I'm up. And the first thing I do is I start running to sort of wake myself up. I think that would be a great thing for myself. And um, yeah, uh, I know I can, I know I could do it. Um, it's going to be a challenge for sure, but it is possible. We're not reinventing the wheel. Other great people have done it. I think we can do it. Um, another one for me is, um, I'll just say it, man, flossing twice a day. It's super like, I don't know. I used to, I used to be pretty good about flossing like once a day, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know. I, maybe it makes me feel uncomfortable because I'm like, oh, I gotta get a thing. I gotta do every tooth. I gotta like blah, blah, blah. But realistically, I know it's good for me. I just need to take the time to do it and stop being a bitch about it. And bro, it's my teeth, you know, yeah. gotta do it. Yeah. So, um, I think there's a lot of benefits of just little things that we overlook for ourselves. It's important for our health and it is discipline, even though it is a small thing, you know, it could be like washing the dishes to somebody like, or making their bed. Um, I started making my bed every day. Um, I think like at the beginning of the year. And even that was so weird to me because I never used to do that as a kid. And now I can't, it makes me annoyed that my bed's not made when I'm, working or whatnot so Definitely. yeah all right a couple follow-up questions for you so you're i'm going to focus on waking up early um so currently why does it make you uncomfortable or why do you not like waking up early or why do you not do it um because i have a hard time sleeping i've always had a hard time sleeping since i was a kid i just don't I don't know when I get in this zone where my body's ready to go to sleep, I kind of get this weird panicky vibe. I'm not sure why. Um, I've actually, I was like freaking out about it when I was like in high school and time and I had to go get blood work and they just said it's anxiety or whatever. And um, I think that still lingers on with me as I got older. The only thing that's really mitigated that is uh, going to the gym. Like when I was going with John, like we work out hard as fuck and then I'm, I'd be going to sleep pretty pretty solid like I could just really put my phone down everything was more uh structured had a little bit of mental clarity for myself to go to bed and I think that's the biggest thing that I need when I'm ready to go to sleep and uh for those you know all the readers that my car is getting worked on right now so I haven't been going to the gym but I've been running about two miles a day um took yesterday off but uh I have some 40 pound dumbbells I've been getting it in you know and it's uh it's still helping me sleep but i think running at night has been actually being a reverse that i'm running around six o'clock and my body's still in run mode when i'm trying to sleep so i think work or running in the morning and really working out earlier and knocking everything out that i need to do my body will be forced to just pass out at the end of the day yeah, I like to just touch on that because, like, I wake up like four thirty-five every day, and like after doing stuff with Ace, doing my job, and then working out. By the time I fucking make dinner and eat, it's like you know eight thirty, nine o'clock. Like I'm tired, dude. By the time I hit the bed, it's nights, it's lights out, bro. So you know, 
I think you waking up early will fix the whole. You waking up early and work continuing to work out will fix the whole sleep problem. At least help it. Yeah, that's right. another big. That's mm-hmm. another big reason why I like going uh, waking up early is because it fixes your like your natural sleep schedule. Like when you wake up, the sun should be up. When you're falling asleep, especially with devices now, like if you're always on your device when you're about to go to bed, you're tricking your mind to think that that's sunlight. So it's a, a lot harder to go to bed at night. Um, Mm. But yeah, I think that's a big reason to start to go to bed early. It's easier to go to bed when you need to go to bed. So um, I know you've talked about a list of things that you would benefit from, but I just have, I want you to pin one. Um, Why do you need to wake up early? Just give me one. Because I need to maximize the time that I have for creativity. Okay. Right. Because if I'm waking up later, then that could have been time that I could have used to brainstorm, draw, sketch, and the things that I produce for my work, even freelance or even things for myself creatively. My whole thing is I need to be as creative as possible, and that's really constrained to time. So if I'm sleeping in, that could have been time that I'm being creative. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know you can do it. I'm excited for you, and I can't wait to hear about it in about a week. So I can hear about the progress, man. I'm excited for you. All right, John, yes. how about you? Uh, one thing I would say is uh, being better about my spending habits. Like, you know, I'm like real frugal during the week and then the weekend comes and I'll just blow like more money than I'd like to admit. So um, <laughs> I need to be better about that. Why it makes me uncomfortable is because I want to have a good time. I don't want like a, a number sign to like affect my good time um but that's like not the smart thing to do it's not the mature like responsible thing to do right so um i'm going to handle that um second thing is that i thought i was doing enough for ace but after like consoling with some other dog friends i have learned that maybe i'm lacking in uh doing enriching exercises with him which involves like mental exercises so now i'm incorporating uh, new things for him to do, not just physical. Uh, it doesn't really make me uncomfortable. Maybe like the time constraints do, because I think to myself like I'm already waking up super early, like and I already do so much with them. Like, how else can I fit this shit in my schedule? But like, I'm you know, always figure it out. So, just, just different. Okay, uh, some 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 follow up questions. Um, I'm gonna focus on with Ace. Okay. Okay. So what steps are you taking towards developing maybe mental exercises for him? Uh, for example, one thing I do is like, we do like a two mile morning walk in the morning. And instead of just a walk now, I carry a bag of treats. And as we're walking, I'm throwing them on the ground, like and scatter it. And he's got to go find them um, as we're walking. Okay. So like, I was like learning how like it uses their natural skills. Like I like sniff, think, and think about like, where the sounds come from, sniff, find them out. So he's like working his mind a little bit, right? Um, so I'm doing more stuff like that. I'm doing a lot more commands. Like we we, we play wall ball together now. Um, and he catches the ball. But every time we have like a thing, he catches the ball. He's got to drop it. I make him sit, shake down. And then we do it all over again. So like he's got to like work to play. You know, it's like a bunch of commands. So okay. it's not just like the wall ball probably doesn't fucking tire him out that much. But it's more about like the act of it. I got to like do all these things before I get the wall ball again. Right. So right. stuff like that. Okay. And then another follow-up question. Why do you need to do this? Why do you want to do this? 
Oh, um, so this past week, which is crazy because, you know, I've had Ace for seven months now. He's nine months old. And I've had that couch for like fucking six months, five months. Uh, Ace tore up my couch this week, bro. <laughs> damn. Um, just totally wrecked it, like completely. And I was like, damn, bro, like what's up? And then the next day he fucked up the other cushion. So the couch is donezo. Um, so then I had him crating them. So I crated him. Um, he chewed a hole through the kennel, through the crate, and let himself, <laughs> let him, and let himself out of the crate. Damn. Yeah, so he's on X Games mode because he's fucking, because <laughs> he's like stressed out, not home. So I was like, I found him laying on my bed, like, and I looked, there's a hole, like, he chewed out of the plastic crate. I was like, that's insane. <laughs> oh, wow. So I consulted with my dog friends again. And like, just for anyone who's listening, Ace is super dope. Like, we, mm-hmm. like, I don't leash him at all. We walk off leash. He's really good on commands. Like, he's really smart. It's just like, he is now going through a stage where he's, Fucking stuff up the house when he's left alone because he's because I'm not doing enough with him mentally, um. So it's my fault. It's not his. So, um, one thing I bought a new crate, all metal, and it's see through all the way. So I think one thing was that the plastic one felt really like enclosed because it was like a cave, right? This one, yeah. mm. you, you can see through. It's just a metal cage. So one, he won't. It's impossible to chew it up. Two, he likes it more. So he's getting all of his meals in there again, which I stopped doing when I moved from California. So I stopped doing that when I moved. So now all of his meals are going in there. All of his toys are kept in there. And anything he does goes in there. So like now I'm trying to teach him. And now he goes in freely. So I'm trying to teach him, hey, this is like your spot, homie. So. Awesome. Oh, yeah, man. Were you spending more time with Ace uh, when you lived in California? I think it was, one, I could always come home for lunch. But two, I think what fucked it up. I think two, what fucked it up is that I hadn't been working for like two and a half months up until I started school. Um, we had spent all this time together. Then after that, me and Jay and Ace went on a 12-day adventure where we spent every day together. And then from there, I wasn't working at my parents' house. We spent every day together. And then all of a sudden, I was like, okay, I'm going to um, go to work for seven hours. See you later, baby. Um, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why aren't we fucking chilling 24-7 like we were? You know, like even when I go to my friend's house, I bring Ace with me. So he's just like, I think he's just like, what's going on dude you know yeah yeah mm-hmm. slack of views oh yeah definitely big changes big change in actions every day huh yeah so okay. i so and that's that's what i'm working on all righty uh so i'll jump into mine um i have a list of things but i'll jump into one my current answer to challenge three would be reading scientific literature um for the people that are in the STEM field, I don't know how it is in the art field. I'd like to hear about that, David. But you are required to read scientific literature, meaning these pa- these papers can range from six pages all the way up to unlimited, 300 pages of information that's related to one subject. Uh, these typically are jargon-laden. They are intimidating. And, you know, they're not a great time if you're not really up to par scientifically. If you're not a doctorate degree uh, or you don't have a master's degree in this field of study yet or something. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I actually have meetings weekly with a couple of professors, but I had one on 
Friday with Dr. Pluhar. And we discussed a paper that maybe I understood like 20% of it. And, you know, we had our meeting and I felt a little insecure about, you know, hey, like I'm supposed to discuss these figures. I don't really quite understand these figures, this whole paper in general. And, you know, it was really good to hear because at the end of our meeting, he was like, if you feel like you don't understand all of this, that means you're in the right place. I mean, you're um, only supposed to understand 20 to 25% of this. And you know, when you graduate uh, with your master's degree, you'll know when you're ready, when you understand 70% of it, not even a hundred percent. And so it really was reassuring like, oh, okay, I am, I am okay where I'm at. I, I'm not supposed to fully understand this. I'm just really supposed to put the effort in to try to. So uh, right. why I don't like to read them, I have a, a list of it, but uh, these pieces of literature are extremely intimidating. Uh, they, Like I said, you have to kind of be up to par on the subject. Follow it up with, they're like opening Pandora's box. Uh, I don't know if you experienced this, David, but you read one. In order to understand the one, you have to read three or four more papers, maybe like unlimited amount of papers to understand this one paper to finally yeah. put the picture together. Yeah, I, I remember being in um, uh, a class in college and you know how you have to do those like peer reviewed um, articles as a source yeah. of information when you're writing a research paper? Yeah. My teacher was the only realist teacher ever in college. He, he told us those things, those peer reviewed scholarly articles aren't meant for regular like you to read, but we have to use them <laughs> yeah. because it's, it's peer reviewed. Um, he's like, so don't, don't feel like, you know, you need to understand this because it's very hard to read. It's like a whole like experiment. It, it's, it's, it's weird with abstracts and these things and those things. And, and the terms are crazy. Like the, the vocabulary is, it's just on right. another level. I mean, it's achievable, but it's going to take a lot of time for someone to, to really understand what's going on. Right. And so graduate school is all about that. Every class I have, I'm reading. So for 114, I read three papers this week. For 200, I have to read uh, like five, six pages papers this week. For 250T, we have a list of like 50 page papers that we're gonna read this semester. That's not, that's just coursework alone. That, on top of that, for my personal research and thesis that I need to do, I have to read more papers on top of that. And so it's this semester in grad school is reading. It's just reading, reading, reading. So, <laughs> By the time, you know, maybe like a year ago by, maybe I'll actually be a fluid reader on these podcasts. <laughs> Not <so. laughs> But yeah, literally, I, I describe it as Pandora's box. You open one, be prepared to open five more. And then you open one of those five, be prepared to open another five. It's a network and a web of literature that requires a lot of time, a lot of thinking, a lot of questioning. Um, so for part C of our question, why do we need to do them? I have a two part here. It will make me become a more competent as a geologist, uh, especially as a teacher now at school. Mm -hmm. Like they're not, I'm not teaching the most complicated subject matter, but I need to understand certain aspects of geology to be able to be competent as a professor. Um, followed by, it will make me a lot more successful in grad school. Grad school is reading. Grad school is presenting. Grad school is writing. That is what it is. And so there's reasonings for it. And there, you know, it doesn't 
I need to kind of keep in mind that self-doubt and anxiety are a confirmation that I'm not living an aimless life. That's um, a good one for all of the all of the listeners. Um, you know, if you're feeling that, because that's that seems to be like a reoccurring feeling that people get, or even men and women get when they feel like they are living this uh, aimless life. But it could be a confirmation that when you're taking a leap towards something and you're feeling all of that, that you are living now with a purpose and your aim is is a little bit higher than where you were previously. Definitely. Yeah. yeah and I, I like to think of uh, one of Waka's quotes, you know, before going into grad school, it's about you have to choose an advisor. It doesn't mean you're stuck with them or you, you can't change your, your mind. But Waka mentions there's this thing called Franciscan geology off the coast of California. We have a mountain range. It's called the Coast Range. Um, the geology there is called the Franciscan geology. We have a subduction complex there. I won't get too deep into it. But Waka says, in order to study Franciscan geology, you have to be crazy, a crazy person, or have an alcohol problem. <laughs> and so guess who I chose as my advisor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's the most intimidating. I'm going to choose that one. So now I'm living with the result. And um, it's really going to push me to develop character. And I can't wait for everybody here on the podcast to meet Waka. He's quite the character and a very big inspiration to me. Yeah, great, great guy. Oh, I'm stoked. Hell yeah. So uh, with that, we'll wrap it up. We here at Paradigm want to thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you gathered some information from this podcast that will help you in your life. I'm here with Devin, David, John. We hope you're better than you were last week. Before you go, make sure you get the book Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. We highly recommend it. Subscribe to the channel. We hope to see you guys here weekly. Like the video. Leave us some feedback. We love hearing from you guys. And follow us on all our social media Search platforms. All the information yeah, will be in the description right below. Peace. And check your Maybe you're the protagonist Thank of your you, story, buddy. but like, there's a million other people.